0: Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Saracini. Uh, joining me on this fine Sunday afternoon is my friend Michael Leiboff. Mike, what's going on?
1: Uh, not too much, uh, Dan. Just uh, a little uh, concerned that there's a possibility we saw our last ever game with John Tavares in an Islander uniform. Uh, a couple. Of days.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure that that idea had crossed a few people's minds, and uh, I noticed that Brian Compton had. Somebody had tweeted at him, like, is this the last we see of Tavares in an Islanders uniform? And he was quick to retweet, what? No, like that. So, uh, hopefully I take that for what it's worth. Compton's as plugged in as anybody. So hopefully that's true. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of the big, the big story right now, uh, is, uh, John Tavares was injured on uh, Friday's game against New Jersey. Now they've had one game since that injury and it was this afternoon in buffalo and they won they they, not only did the islanders win a game without john Tavares, they won a game on the road in the afternoon like that to (laughs) me is is even more incredible than winning without taveras um but uh it was kind of a big deal because they kept their slim playoff hopes alive and things have really changed now uh the boston bruins and toronto maple Leafs refused to lose games the the Bruins had a uh, two games this weekend. They beat Florida yesterday. They beat Chicago today in Chicago. The Leafs just don't want to lose. And the Ottawa Senators suddenly can't win. They've lost four games in a row. They are now in the eighth playoff spot. The Islanders are five points behind them. And, oh, by the way, the Islanders' last game of the season is against Ottawa. So <laughs> I don't want to say the Islanders' season is over because it's pretty close. But I don't know. All that stuff kind of makes me feel like there's a little bit of reason to hope you know, in this final week of the season.
1: Yeah, we need to uh, we need to call up Wade Dubluitz and then <laughs>
0: make
1: it up. go with four goalies because he, he if if he can do it, then we can.
0: Yeah, uh, I would. How how would that affect JF Brubeck's confidence if they like <laughs> literally brought in <laughs> Wade Dubluitz? They'd be like, no, no, you're you're still sitting. This guy's gonna play. We, yeah, For we didn't want,
1: this guy's done it before. He's been there before.
0: Right. But, uh, speaking of goalies, real quick, uh, it's funny that they uh, they brought. Yaros uh, back and doug was like you know weight was was adamant that grice is the starter and that's the way it's going to be we're going to do things differently right now we have a two goalie system which means that jf you're on the sidelines Grice is the starter. Halak is the backup. Well, guess who started the last two games? Yara Halak. And he played pretty well. I mean, he was pretty good today in Buffalo especially. Uh, so I, I don't really know what's up anymore. But uh, as Jenny noted in today's recap, uh, for the Islanders to have any hope of actually making this thing happen, they need to win out. Uh, no ifs, ands, or buts, which means they have to win the next four games. They're t- uh, Mon- Tuesday in Nashville, Thursday in Raleigh. Uh, Saturday in New Jersey, at uh, uh, yeah, in New Jersey, and then Sunday at home to Ottawa. So, uh, it's uh gonna be gonna be a wild ride.
1: And uh, yeah, it's just like they had to win out that season with Duplowitz so mm. which is uh, cool. they were chasing the the Maple Leafs then and the Canadiens not the Senators. So still a Canadian right. team, but but <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I I honestly I remember that pretty well, and that was like a big memory for me as an Islander fan and uh, going to all those games and that season. And Ryan Smith and just it was this season I feel Mm -hmm. like is different I feel like um, there's just no chance uh like to me for all intents and purposes the uh the season kind of ended with those two disappointing games uh I guess guess last weekend certainly with the the Bruins loss uh which was just weird
0: yeah
1: uh it felt like the Islanders didn't understand what was at stake
0: yeah uh and and you know it's it seems like a bigger deal because it's towards the end of the season and and everything was really tight in the playoff race but it's kind of carries through the theme of this entire season which and, and you know I'm, I'm I don't want to worry anybody I'm not trying to get like Mike Mike Milbury reductionist on anybody here but uh, you know there's reasons for this that go back to actual data and performance um but it just seems like this season especially the Islanders have yet to actually win a game that matters and earlier in the season it was you know the string of Last minute losses that, you know, was just an annoying, irritating thing that contributed to them being in the last, but the bottom of the conference, you know, they, they lost to San Jose with like three minutes to go. They lost to LA with five minutes to go. And yeah, those games are November games against like Western conference teams, but still those are points and you need them later on. Uh, and it just carries through. And, and as our friend Mike B noted on Twitter and something I, I don't know if I retweeted it. I should have because it makes a lot of sense. Every time the Islanders jumped into that last, Playoff spot, but it was either by a point or by a tiebreaker or some kind of tenuous thread. They always lost the next game, <laughs> and they just couldn't get any sort of traction into that spot uh, beyond just sort of grabbing it and holding on for a day or two, and then somebody won or they lost, and, the, and it went, you know, that spot went away. And yeah, those two games you talk about were were brutal. The the one against the Bruins, where they literally had the team they were chasing right in their own building. And, I mean, to lose is one thing, but they didn't really just play all that well. Um, They they, had to leave. Yeah, and they just didn't do anything with it. They just didn't, you know, I wouldn't say the Bruins outplayed them, but the Islanders didn't play at all, really. And then it was a carbon copy on Monday. I was actually at that game against Nashville. And the same thing, like, I mean, the Predators played okay, I guess, but the Islanders didn't barely put up much of a fight and it's like guys this is your season <laughs> yep. this is this is when you're supposed to really kind of come out and and i don't know i mean i i feel like if jack capuano was still the coach at this point we would have literally like burned down his house <laughs> had we seen those two games and yeah I, I don't know what to make of them very disappointing
1: the thing that also compounds it always just how well they looked against pittsburgh like right right before that right. You, you thought okay like I don't like our chances in a seven-game series against a team like that, but <laughs> at least they could not get, they might not get the doors blown off, because uh, they looked good, or they looked hungry, and it was like that was, they treated that game as if it was their, you know, Stanley Cup game seven, rather than, right. you know, uh, I mean, sure, the game was important, but to not follow it up uh, with any sort of effort uh, was pathetic, and you got, I don't know, Riley Nash. Who the heck is Riley Nash? He,
0: <laughs> he
1: just let, you just let Riley Nash ruin, ruin your season. So, yeah. uh, and and honestly, I, as, as good as weight has been, I thought he's made some kind of odd Capuano-like decisions the past two weeks, I would say.
0: Yeah, yeah, lots of weird lineup decisions. Uh, he loves Dennis Seidenberg uh, as much as, as Capuano did. His apparently uh Calvin DeHaan, who was you know one of the scapegoats under Capuano has shifted that scapegoat status to Thomas Hickey now for some reason yeah, I don't and get that. yeah I don't get that either and I mean Hickey's had a tough season I don't have any numbers in front of me I, the other day I looked and he and Seidenberg had almost the same exact um, five on five uh corsi they were both at about 47 something percent so it's but at the same time, I mean Hickey's younger, he's faster he's got more of an offensive upside uh and so scratching him in favor of Dennis Seidenberg doesn't really make any sense in a lot of ways and he loves that Doug Waite loves Alan Quine. he's got him up there and <laughs> lots of different yep. combinations and stuff and I mean in, in fairness, like he's got players dropping like flies so guys like Alan Quine are gonna end up playing. But yeah, it was very weird. And and Doug, I like. I mean, I'm with you. Like, I like him. I like the way he speaks. I like the things he says. And before going into that game against the Bruins, no, no, it was before the game against the Predators. He was talking about you got to come out and like like you're spitting nails or something like that. And I mean, I was sitting in the in the arena and I didn't see any nail spitting going on. It was it was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty bad performance. And you know, it's just I don't know. I don't know what what to make of it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. He he's got some cliches that I I've never really heard before, like getting slapped in the face with a fish.
0: Yeah, so
1: I really I, I I like I like that about him, and I I think yeah. he um let's say he's done enough to mm. not be a terrible choice to coach next year, but hopefully right. hopefully the there is still an extensive uh, yeah search or or something. <laughs>
0: Those games make me wonder if he even wants to be the coach. Like I wonder if there's some part of him, and and you know, I, I'm just trying to read his face. And obviously, again, he like you said, he's a great quote, and he says all kinds of stuff. But I wonder if there's a part of him that wonders, like, "Geez, what did I do wrong?" Because on the game against the Rangers, which they won, and it wasn't a great performance, but that was the type of game that you kind of see at the end of the season where they didn't play great, but they, they got the win. They got a win that they needed on a, you know, back to back, which was pretty huge. Um, and he was saying, you know, they were, they were awful in the first, I don't know, period and a half or so. And he was like, we don't look like a very well coached team right now. <laughs> and that's pretty honest for one of those awful Pierre Maguire bench interviews, you know, coming back from commercial, which most people ignore, but it was actually, this is the one time somebody said something interesting. Um, and it makes me wonder if like that kind of attitude makes him wonder, Maybe I can't motivate these guys, and I don't, I'm i not doing the right thing and pushing the right buttons, because for him, getting up for a game like this wasn't a big deal. But obviously to impart that same drive on somebody else is, is a pretty difficult task. And man, we gave Capuano a crap for it for years, and now Doug is kind of falling into the same hole.
1: Yeah, I, I think because he, the whole story around him and, and possibly taking over Capuano was that he always kind of hinted that that wasn't the job he wanted. And I don't know mm. if that was, that was him being polite, Saying, Liz. I'm like, yeah, this guy's this guy's job. I'd be taking as currently on the hot seat, so I don't want to say like, yeah, I want to take over for him when he's inevitably fired. Uh, so, <laughs> but he he always said, and he always had that like weird assistant special to the special assistant to the GM title. So mm. I, I always thought he wanted to be a man upstairs, but like, uh, his his record's been decent. Uh, the power mm. play's been woeful, which is kind of <laughs> surprising. Yeah, given that it was like you know what he's in charge of. Uh, but it, that, that'll be an uh, interesting uh, thing to to watch in an in off season that's going to have a lot of weird uh, kind of challengers are going to have to like toe up a pretty strict line this offseason yeah. in how they do things.
0: Yeah. No. Definitely. Um, before we get to that, because um, that was a good segue. But I, I just want to segue. Yeah,
1: I'll, I'll say a little segue bit again. Twenty minutes later.
0: <laughs> there's a there's a segue to the segue but uh I didn't realize today that the Sabres had the best power play in the league which yes. is I mean shocking considering how bad their record has been uh, but they also have the 28th ranked penalty killing in the league which i guess explains why that that is
1: it's funny uh, I, I had that I had that same uh, moment a couple like a week and a half ago um <laughs> I don't know if you ever watch those Anthony Bourdain shows, like No Reservation. or Parts. I
0: used to. I haven't in a long time. But we used to watch No Reservations. Do,
1: do you uh, do you remember Zemir, his like crazy Russian friend?
0: Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, he got like the the yeah in the banya with the, like he got beat with the the yeah. the um yeah the the palm. Well, stuff, so, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, Zemir is like a he now has a, a vodka company, and it's I think based in Buffalo or somewhere in Western New York. So he goes to a lot of Sabres games. <laughs> And he was talking about their power play, and I was like, "Is he, is he, is he just like talking out of school here?" And he's, "No, he's right." Like, <laughs>
0: he's like, wow, that's yeah. so, thank Talk you. about the rent—the most random place to get your <laughs> hockey news, Zamir from uh, No Reservations. Yeah. But uh, and immediately I, when I saw that, my immediate thought was, "Hmm, if the Sabres make some coaching changes this year, I don't know who their assistant coach is or who runs their power play. It may, may might be Dan Bylsma for all I know, but." Get whoever that is, because the Islanders can use that guy. And it's not like that. I mean, the Sabres are, have an okay team. Obviously, Kyle Oposo and Matt, Matt Molson leads them with, like, I don't know, 13 power play goals or something like that. Jack Eichel is no slouch. But, I mean, whatever they're doing, it seems like it could probably be replicated by somebody else. And I think the Islanders should be that somebody else and try and replicate that because that has been one of the most consistently disappointing things. In a season of of consistent disappointment, that power play has been one of the most consistently disappointing things, and it drives me crazy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I, I think in my lifetime I'll just never see the Islanders like be consistently uh, good, like just like a like a team you you know what you're gonna get out of every night. Yeah,
0: so. it's really a shame. Um, well, the one guy we we did know what we're gonna get from every night from uh, that was that was poorly. The the one guy we did know we do know who. What he would give us every single night is John Tavares, and he is now out for the rest of the regular season, and again, in the slim chance that the Islanders make the playoffs, probably most of that, too. Uh, He was crossing behind the net in the game against the Devils, and he... Fell awkwardly, came up clutching his thigh. I think the entire world was like, ooh, did he pull his hamstring or something? And sure enough, lower body injury. The team didn't say it was a hamstring, but Arthur Staple reported it. Brandon Burke said it was a hamstring. Let's just call it a hamstring and, and say that, that's it. But, um, he's out for a while and, you know, it's bad enough the Islanders have to try now win a bunch of games without this guy, but you're leading now into the summer of, Free agency, uh, Cal Clutterbuck had some harsh words for the ice surface, which has always been a problem at Barclays Center. Now is that going to affect, um, the negotiations? Uh, apparently the team has been trying to hire Tavares' agent to run the tire hockey operations department. That has not happened. Uh, it's just, it's insane. It's crazy. And, uh, I don't even know where to even start. <laughs> like, this is, you know, uh, this is not the fun. The, this is not going to. This is not bode well for a fun, enjoyable off season. I don't think.
1: No, and and especially coming off of last off season when uh, I was like ninety seven percent sure that the Islanders would keep Franz Nielsen, and <laughs> and, and woke up to a message from, from a source that said it was not going to happen, and that, that said person was very concerned for my well being. But <laughs> so and that's like nothing compared to what will happen uh, with to yeah. I think honestly, I would sit down. And this is outlandish and obviously wouldn't have it. But I would sit down with him and say, listen, like, we'll do you just like name whatever you want. Like, we'll do it. Like if John Tavares <laughs> said, I want to I want to coach this team. Mm. I would just yeah. be like, I would. I, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. But I would just be like, sure, do it. Like, that, <laughs> that should be their answer to everything. Every demand he has. Sure. <laughs> sure. Right. yes, Yeah. OK. Um Statue.
0: OK. Staple. Staple has said basically that, I mean, the way he, he voiced it today in his article basically said the team is prepared to give him, to offer him a 10 year, uh, an eight year, $10 million a year contract, which is the Jonathan Taves extra, uh, VIP special basically. Uh, and, you know, we could debate, we could sit here and debate the merits of, of whether he deserves it or not but the bottom line is this guy's done everything this team has asked him to do he just just give it to him or right. don't you know like there's no there's no way of saying I I think is that a lot of money yeah has he earned it yeah because this is the guy who this entire team has been built around and it's not even just that like he who like I, I think about this sometimes and you know Garth Snow gets no credit for t- for taking Tavares first overall because Everybody's like, oh, it's a no-brainer. It's, it was easy pick. And yeah, maybe he was in, in a lot of ways, but you also have to pick a guy who is able to be the face of a franchise that literally has no stability. Like even when they have as little stability now as they did nine years ago when they took this guy and. He has to sit there and answer these questions that nobody else in the entire league has had to answer about the ice surface in the arena. Are they going to move? Are they? Is he going to? You know, all this. Uh, you know, they, the, first it was that they hadn't won a playoff series in twenty-three years. Then it was, you know, your friends getting traded. Then it was this guy not signing. But. And he's had to deal with that, and no offense to Victor Hedman or Matt Duchesne, I don't think they were able to handle that. I don't know if, you know, Duchesne, you could say the the Avalanche this year, man, it was clear that they were going to be bad, and man, Nathan McKinnon was at the All-Star game cracking jokes about how bad they were. (laughs) Like that's that's great that McKinnon has a sense of humor about it, but, I mean, Duchesne has clearly been rocked by these trade rumors, and the team's been bad, and I don't think I've ever heard Victor Hedman speak about anything. I mean, I'm sure he's a very intelligent and gregarious individual, but I, I I don't know about it. But meanwhile, Tavares is literally the face of the franchise, and whatever he wants, I'm with you. Whatever he wants, give it to him. But the problem is this dude is so humble and modest, I don't think he's going to ask for anything, and I don't even know what he wants uh, yeah. well, or whether the others can give it I to him. I think
1: what he wants is simple. He wants to be on a team that's going to compete. Like, right. that's, that's that's the scary part, is that this, the Islanders now have to kind of cater their offseason to showing him that, yeah, we're in this to actually win it. And hopefully the next, mm. you know, the Barzals and Dal Coles, mm. and when, I don't know if Ryan Pulak's even in the organization anymore. Know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: But, oh, but like, if you know, these guys are, you know, are in the plans and they have – they actually have a plan, and that's like mm. not just for uh, on on the ice, but also on the on the bad ice, but also off the bad ice as well. <laughs> that they that they have a plan to succeed as a franchise, whether it be in Brooklyn or Belmont or on the moon, wherever they are. Like mm. that's what he wants <laughs> to see more than he yeah. knows. He's gonna get paid. Like he wants to show him something.
0: Mm. <sighs> uh, Larry. Larry Brooks had, yeah, I know, it's frustrating. Uh, Larry Brooks had a, a really nice column today on Patrick Elias, uh, who just retired this week and, and it was the le- devil's leader in career, everything, points, assists, goals, you name it, won two Stanley Cups and, uh, it was interesting because he said, and you know, as much in the article that I mean, direct quotes from from Eliash. It was two things. One, he was at a place where he he knew he could win, and they were going to be in the playoffs every year, and they were going to have a chance to win every year. But it was important for him to play with one team, and he liked that. He liked the idea of playing his entire career with one team. Now Tavares has said that too and the islanders can make that happen because again money wise it's a piece of cake they can you know got guys coming off the books they can move people around it's fine they could give him whatever money he wants it's it's money they'll figure out a way but like you said i don't know you know they can't guarantee he's in the playoffs every year because they just aren't like i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of sad that you know i mean it's not Tavares' fault that (laughs) this season has gone off the rails um but The people in charge, uh, it is their fault. And I mean, Gods know, I guess, probably more so than anybody, it's his fault. I mean, the the calculations he made in the offseason didn't work out. The coaching situation didn't work out. His, you know, moves at training camp with, you know, keeping the third goalie, waving Parento. Like I said on Twitter, like these were all kind of smaller moves, but they all, they all combine to make this team just not function at a high enough level all season long. Mm-hmm. And under normal circumstances, I would say, well, this is it, Garth. you come to the end of the road. Thanks for everything. I'll see you later. But now, uh, with this Tavares signing thing, I don't know w- what what they're going to do. They <laughs> really don't, which yeah, is you, even more frustrating.
1: You put that perfectly because I think that that's the thing that's concerning me the most is that he's now endured the season where he's watched confusing con- – I don't even want to call them bad moves because that's just like a kind of a lazy way to put it, but confusing <laughs> moves. Like, yeah, like there's why, like John Tavares is a smart dude. He knows how the NHL works. As, as Staples said, like he's, he's very in tune with the, um, the players association and stuff. So so he actually has an idea of, you know, how rosters work and roster management, et cetera. Uh, so when he sees these like kind of just outlandish, nonsensical moves in the way that roster <laughs> management, if, if Garcino has the job again next year, who's to say he's not going to do, you know, keep Berube and Halak and going around <laughs> again? Like, who's right. to say he's not going to do something stupid with the expansion draft and, and expose someone he should? I don't, like,
0: right.
1: I, Like, what's going to happen in, in in six months from now, if say Tavares extends his contract and then through in the middle of next season, like, he does something dumb, like, you know, trading Nick Letty or something. <laughs> I was like, it's just like it's just I don't I, like you. I don't know if if I was John Tavares, I would trust this current management group. And yeah. if he says to Ledecky and Malkin or whoever he's gonna sit down with first, like, mm. listen, I want to stay, but you gotta get you gotta like change the direction in the front office. They better just immediately bring Snow in. Yeah. Because um, and and Car yeah. Snow, the his M O has always been that he doesn't really answer things and and stuff. So mm. I hope that at least <laughs> Tavares is like, all right, man, like explain why you just you did this you did all these things i hope He would say this is why and hopefully Tavares has like uh is like satisfied with those answers because uh, i'm not
0: (laughs) right well on his uh his great pdo cast appearance arthur staple talked about snow and how he marches to the beat of his own drum as he always has and you know it's it's funny and i mean there's a there's a uh, there's probably a book to be written about sort of the Garth Snow era <laughs> yeah. under the Islanders because, you know, I feel like his his strength as, as a general manager has been in finding the diamonds in the rough. The guys that he plucked off of waivers or traded f- nothing for that turned out to be bona fide NHLers, and we all know the list: Grabner, Molson, Parento. You know, Al Montoya was you know playing in like the ECHL or something, and Don Maloney was like, "Here, come on, take this guy. Give take anything. Just give me anything for him." And he turned. You know, he's an he's a credible NHL backup right now for one of the better teams in the league. So, uh, you know, that's where Garth's strength has been, and since the sort of um, I guess the hundred points is since the Letty and Boychuk trades those days have he, he has sort of abandoned that that kind of skill and he just hasn't done that anymore and he hasn't uncovered these guys that were his bread and butter just a couple of years ago and you know I feel it feels weird that you know they're in this place now where you don't know. Where they're going to go because just a couple of years ago, they were a 101 point team. I mean, they were, they looked like they had everything going for them. Right. And now we're at a point where we don't know who's going to be on the team next year. We don't know who's going to be in charge of the team <laughs> next year, uh, whether they should be in charge. And it's just, it's, it's all come crumbling down in a really quick way. And it's almost like, you know, it, the end of the rebuild was right there. And then, uh, you know, you were reaching for that last sort of foothold on the mountain and you just sort of fell.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's where we are. And, and and it's, and it's, it is a lot of it has to do with snow, but it's just like across the board, there are just such weird, like, moves being made, like from, even from Capuano doing what he was doing with, like, the lineup, and, like, that's, that's, that's what really concerns me, because, like I said, like, John Tavares is probably one of the smartest hockey players. That's one of the things that he's so good that makes him such a valuable commodity, because, Hell, he's mm-hmm. got all the physical gifts that you can imagine for a hockey player, but he's also got mm-hmm. a, a hundred out of a hundred brain uh, on the ice, <laughs> and, and as a, as a captain, like this is, he's, a, he's sure. the perfect guy for mm-hmm. he, he should have been, and he should be, and he could still be the perfect fit for this, where this team was and is mm-hmm. and should be going, especially if, mm-hmm. you know, the Barzals and stuff that uh, really work out. Like who, who else would you rather, you know, be there, the guy that they lean on than John. Yeah. So, uh, wow. you know, like, these weird moves, like, it I wouldn't sit right with me. Like, it, I hope, I was ho- always saying, like, I always hope that it would never get to the point where I would think, you know, I just don't blame him. I don't blame, you know, if I, if I was in mm-hmm. John Tavares' spot, like, I don't blame him for taking the money from the Kings or, or like, <laughs> some, or, or like a franchise that has, like, a, you know, a track record of doing these things right, like the Bruins or something. Like, like wow. I'm sure, like, the Bruins have made some odd moves, but, like, if John Tavares took a max contract the same amount of money from a team like that that's, that's had success over and over again rather than the Islanders like who would blame them it's like what happened with Chris Drury and Scott Gomez which luckily the Islanders kind of left down those situations but they both <laughs> they both took less money to go play with you know the, the bigger team and the, the team that has proven that it's a contender perennially with the Rangers and they passed up more money to be with the Islanders so it's like not saying like obviously comparing these two situations to, to ours is a little, a little off but that's like mm. how I'm looking at it. Like I wouldn't, I yeah. would not blame John Tavares at this point if it was this season and he, he had to make a decision. Like mm. I wouldn't blame him if he. And it's, that the, breaks my heart. Like I'm gonna throw up right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the the difference though is, you know, every team makes weird moves, but some teams make enough smart moves that they are equipped to survive weird moves. And you know, like with the Bruins, you know, okay, they they, you know. Acquired Martin Jones and then immediately turned around and traded him to San Jose. And you think, Oh my God, what is this? What is going on? Why would you do that? Or they pass on Barzal, uh, Oliver, Oscar, she- Oliver Shellington and, uh, you know, Kyle Connor, the, the three guys in the, in the draft. But you know what? They have signed, uh, Brad marchand long term. Do- Bergeron's gonna retire there. Tuka Rask is just the great equalizer. The Bruins fans have been trying to run him out of town for years, and he just continues to be excellent. And Zdeno Char will never die. And like, those <laughs> guys plus other, you know, they keep bringing these guys up from Providence that just sort of fit into the lineup, and they make enough smart moves that they are still a competitive team. And I know they lost, they, they missed the playoffs last year, but it wasn't by much. Um, and that's the thing. The Islanders, and I, you know, I tweeted this after the, uh, that Nashville game, they're, The problem is that they are—they're always flirting with the possibility of being good, rather than making the giant leap forward. You know, they're always kind of like—even the the giant leap forward for them was Letty and Boychuk, and that propelled them into being an actual, you know, NHL caliber team. And since then, they've made these sort of little incremental moves without making the next big leap. And that's where your margin of error becomes razor thin and that's how, you know, you carry three goalies or you play too much Dennis Seidenberg and before you know it, you're out of the playoffs. And it doesn't seem like that big a deal, but that's kinda what happened. You know, you make these little moves and all of a sudden you're you're done. Yeah,
1: like you said it's at the Letty, the Bojack, and even like the the Halak move too, which I, I yeah. it' I you know, Greg that's a really, really right. good move.
0: That uh, whole off season, the the G- Grabowski and Kuliman, like yeah, those yeah. were giant leaps forward. I mean right. we could and complain about those guys, but Right.
1: It looked and it looked so, like it was, and then and, and that, that's that's this concern. Like instead of, and we talked a lot last season about how like they, the, the roster didn't really turn over, and they, they kind mm. of just put all their eggs in this basket. And everyone should have been okay with that coming off that season, and it should have been fine. But it wasn't. Yeah. They 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 did win a playoff round, but you could just tell that the, it was like a little bit of smoke and mirrors. And and this.
0: Yeah. Like you said, oh, so it was smoke, smoke and mirrors, and Tavares was smoke, and uh, Grice was mirrors. Yeah, and then exactly. they, that's it. Yeah. That was basically it. Um, but I, I do have one, one John Tavares story, and I'll, I'll make this quick. Uh, so I was, like I said, I was at the game on Monday against Nashville, and I wasn't expecting to be, but I got an email from uh, some friends at Vita Coco Vitamin Water who set you up with that uh, to go to that. Uh, Photo shoot earlier this year with the, uh, Tavares doing, uh, the ad campaign and they had a contest with King Cullen and they had some extra tickets and they offered me one and I got to go. Uh, I sat with Torgo, one of our, uh, lighthouse hockey commentators, uh, and Jay Bot, another, uh, lighthouse hockey, uh, Commentator, um great guys. Torgo's name is Sean. I had to keep reminding myself to call him that and not Torgo, because <laughs> Mystery Science Theater. Um, but they're great guys. We had a great time. Uh Joe from Vita Coco and his wife were there and they and they were so so great. Everything about the game was experience was great, except for the actual sixty minutes of hockey, which again was very demoralizing. Um but the thing was, not only were these tickets available and they were like right behind the the Islanders penalty box, but it included a meet and greet with Tavares after the game. And I was thinking, my first thought to myself, because I'm an old man, was, oh, my God, I'm going to get home at like 1.30 in the morning. And I had to asked my wife. So when I woke up in the morning and told her about it, her exact words to me were, you would be an idiot not to go. So that kind of sealed the deal for me. So I emailed Geo back, and we and I went. And here I am. So it's after the game. They've played terribly. Their playoff series, is, playoff hopes are slipping. And we gotta wait, you know, for them to like clean up and stuff before we can meet Tavares. So Travis Hammond comes out and meets with a different group of people who were there. Seems super nice. Uh, for a guy who hits a lot and fights a lot, he's actually seems kind of skinny in real life, which I didn't, know in real life, in regular clothes, uh, which I was kind of surprised by. But, um, later on, they, they took us into the Islanders locker room under Barclay Center. Didn't stand on the logo because that's the rule. And, uh, took some pictures of everybody's pants that were all hanging in their stalls and, out comes John Tavares. I turn around and I think I might have been the one of the first one to see him, and you know he's about my height. He's not super tall, wearing you know very nice tie and and shirt and shoes. And here I am thinking to myself, this dude I know this dude, and he's super intense, and he probably hates the fact that they lost this game. He's incredibly pissed off, and I don't know. And here I am, like I don't know what to say to this guy, but he could not have been nicer he was friendly he was smiling he was joking uh it was us and i don't know maybe seven or eight other people um he was telling jokes one guy he clearly knew because he talked with him like he had seen him before uh he took j bot's hat and signed it and he was like oh this hat looks like it's pretty old <laughs> and and i don't even remember what john said because we were both like uh, like we couldn't i don't know my brain had trouble processing like i'm in the same room with this guy i gave him a trading card that i had had from last year he signed it all I could say to him was "thank you." I think I must have said "thank you" six times in the you know thirty seconds it took him to sign the card for me to hand him the card. So I, yeah, I know. It's, even then, I I don't even know. I couldn't even. What am I supposed to say to this guy? Am I supposed to say, "Hey, I'm the idiot that writes phony stories about you on on hey, you know you're the on first Twitter thing or whatever?"
1: That when I wake up in the morning, I think about <laughs> when I could
0: have said. You, you uh when I had texted you about it, your words were "tell him I love him," and I was like, oh, "How am I supposed to tell this guy?" <laughs> <laughs> and my friend loves you i I literally could not say anything other than thank you to this guy uh, but he was so nice and so friendly, and he stood for pictures and he was smiling and joking and you know he was there for about ten ten minutes or so, maybe a little more and uh and went home and then I thought to myself again, this dude is probably ready to like. You know, just break something in half because they lost that game. And so it made me wonder like, you know, here he is again. This is the face of the franchise. Like, he's, he does everything that this team asked him to do, including meeting people after a pivotal 3 1 loss with the week to go in the season and is never not professional, never not totally awesome. And I got sad. I got sad that, you know, hopefully we're not seeing. The last of him, like you said, because that would really, yeah. really bum me out, dude. <laughs> so that's my quick and, John Tier story. <laughs> and
1: I only half I only have, have jokes like about that, about him being the last thing I think about before I go to bed, or the first thing I think about in the morning, <laughs> because we've not, like in my lifetime, I, 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 you know, being a post, post, way post dynasty, and you know, I was born born sure. in 1990. Um, so basically, my whole Islanders existence has been. You know, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> to put it, to put it quite mildly yeah
1: so so when the islanders actually got to theirs so i was at the draft party i i tell i still get chills thinking about like the just the eruption at the coliseum and you you can watch the youtube video and people sometimes make fun of it about when the islanders drafted him and like the, the, the celebration mm-hmm. that was like one of the most pivotal moments of my life <laughs> this, this is something that is some the type of player i've never seen on the islanders like up until that mm-hmm. point, like the, the best consistent Islander one that was there for a while, like maybe mm-hmm. it was like, I guess Ziggy Poffey in it. And right. those, the teams that he were on, he was on he played for, weren't good. I mean, other than mm-hmm. that, you're, you're talking like Trent Hunter.
0: Right. So it's just,
1: yeah. Like that's, that's where I was, where I was coming from. And to go from, mm-hmm. you know, Trent Hunter to John, <laughs> John Tavares uh, yeah. in, in oh. overnight, basically, it's mm-hmm. just been something that they been yeah. seen and, and uh, yeah, he, he's, I always joke, also joke that like, I got three brothers and I, we have like a, we have a deal about, you know, one of one of them just got married, uh, like about a year and a half ago and we kind of set up pairings for people to be best man at weddings and just picked out of a hat because we're all equally as close with one another. But I told <laughs> my brother David, who is the best man at my wedding, I said, like, mm-hmm. the only way he gets bumped is if I ask, because I'm going to ask John Tavares to, to be the best man at my wedding. If if, uh, I'm yeah. sorry, David. And David was yeah. Dave, a big I understanding. He
0: would understand. If you do, in fact, when you do, in fact, ask Tavares to be the best man at your wedding, and I urge you to because I want to see what happens, <laughs> don't do it on. You should. Uh, don't do it on Twitter because if uh, – there's a story in Newsday this weekend uh, by Neil Best uh, about sports and social media these days, and he he talked with Charles Barkley and Bob Costas. Of course, Barkley has no use for it. Costas is, like, amazed by it because, you know, this guy is, has been calling games since the ABA days, you know, the Spirits of St. Louis. And Tavares being, like, the youngest guy was basically just, like, I don't even go on anymore because, I don't know, people in our position need to be careful because everything we say or do is out there and you might delete it but it's still going to be out there somewhere and people like us need to be careful and you know what some things just don't really need to be said on twitter and again as this is just another example of John Tavares being smarter than everybody else because that's right he's he's 100% right and uh you know what none of our lives are really made that much better by being on Twitter all the time, although it is fun and I can't, I'm sort of addicted to it. Uh, sometimes I wish I was not. So if you're gonna ask him, I don't know, send him a nice letter, yeah. or like a fruit basket or yeah. something, but yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, uh, you know, we'll have to kind of just wait and see, and I'm sure this won't be the last time that we, we talk about him and talk about his his situation and you know there's so many so many different things up in the air but uh again he was the nicest guy thank you very much again to to Peter Coco for setting me up there it was awesome Jay Bot and Torgo are great guys we had a lot of fun and uh, the food at Barclays Center again is amazing you know, take take advantage when when you go um so
1: I, I just it, want to say one thing real quick about yeah. the the new Coliseum about, and just oh. talk about Barclays Center it's just it's unbelievable how how they just completely. Now, I misread the situation. I'll say. I'm sure we'll talk about it further down the line. But yeah. th- instead of you know paying homage to the the, the the Long Island roots that the Coliseum kind of represents and stuff, they just it looks like they just turned it into. Them. And and uh, Robert Brodsky said this too mm. on Twitter. It looks like Barclays Center, min- miniature, but Barclays <laughs> Center. So
0: yeah, it's got the dark uh, yeah. the dark color tones. The fonts are all the same. Like all the typeface and yep. all the signs are all the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Just, yeah.
1: So. You know, kudos <laughs> to Nassau County and the people in charge there for completely, completely yeah. misreading a situation that was a layup. A layup. Yeah. If you're going to re- renovate the Coliseum and you just kind of rebuilt it with wider concourses, I think people would have, mm. and more bathrooms, people would have been happy. And instead, they yeah. decided to spend the money on making mm. it look like an arena that everybody on Long Island despises.
0: Mm. They they uh they actually did the, the concourses technically are wider only because now behind the seats they have opened them up so that you can walk like if you remember like the sort of bowl area now you can walk behind the seats you know around the top which was how the Coliseum was originally built if you were like me and you sat up in those way upper deck seats because they were super cheap with a student ID uh, during the awful you know late nineties early two thousands era um, you'll notice that the you will remember that the the Leg space in those seats was literally four inches. You could not fit a human leg between, you know, the the seats, the two seats. And I used to, because nobody was there, I used to hang my legs. So I have an unusually long legs. I'm a tall guy. I used to hang them over the seat in front of me because nobody was sitting there. And I was like, why was, why are there so? why is it so tight back here and also the the rows were like a a b b c c that's and i found out later on that's because that area was a concourse originally and when the team was was doing really well they added seats there that you know weren't fit for humans but who cares you were seeing the islanders probably win a stanley cup and it's okay but you know again now it's 1999 and it's a tuesday night versus ottawa and your team's getting blown out those seats are not They're not comfortable, but they took those out, which is why it's too small now (laughs) to host the Islanders, who have moved on. Oh my God, it's a whole other thing. Um, but I'm glad you brought this up because um, sort of segue again, great segue. This is none of this is planned, folks. This is all Uh just Mike and I being on the same wavelength. But this is a great segue. Um, because uh, as I was mentioning before we came on, um, I have this this prediction. So I'll make this. I don't know. I don't call it a bold prediction, but I have a prediction that. When the season ends, and again, the the likelihood is still that it ends a week from today following the game against Ottawa, if not earlier. Um, I kind of have this feeling that that week immediately following the Islanders is going to be sort of like an NFL style post season week where team, the team makes all kinds of moves. I feel like that will be the time where there is announcement on an arena or an extension of Barclays Center. Uh, you know, on a coach, on president. Maybe something about Tavares, although they can't really say anything because technically negotiations aren't supposed to be starting until July first. Um, but all that kind of stuff, I feel like the owners are kind of waiting for the season to be over to kind of dump a ton of info on us. And I feel like that would be immediately after the season is over. I just, I, I kind of have that feeling because again, it's kind of the way NFL teams do it. But I don't know. We'll have to see.
1: Yeah, I, I've, and that would be great. That would be a nice little gift at the end of the. Uh, I don't want to be hyperbo hyperbolic but terrible season i
0: don't I don't know how to it's just like <laughs> yeah, that's a good question it's, 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 like what what were do you use to describe it? I don't know it's i think confusing I, I don't know
1: <laughs> because it's just it's, they did yeah. they they didn't deserve to even be in the conversation for a playoff race and then they were, and that was kind of nice for a little while that games mattered mm-hmm. and uh
0: right
1: yeah i don't i don't know i don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I th- I do think and this, you know, again, you can I'm, I already see people like, ah, oh, there's no moral victories, blah, blah blah. I do think it is important to like address the fact that the team did come from literally last in the conference to have a playoff spot with about a couple of weeks to go left in the season. Yeah, like, that, a, that's pretty impressive. They it really definitely is.
1: Definitely silver linings. But yeah, Andrew, like Andrews Lee scored 30 goals, which is really great, and
0: right, and yeah. it,
1: and it looks like he's probably kind of cemented himself as a you know longtime islander just the way he's been playing and his numbers are always good so you know there are there are good things but there's definitely i guess the way to put it is it's more bad than good
0: (laughs) i wouldn't call it terrible only because the colorado avalanche still exists and that season has been terrible uh and the coyote season has been terrible although again they get the caveat of being sort of developing right. rebuilding team so terrible i don't think is necessarily the right word like you said confusing is good um,
1: backwards i don't i look at the yeah. <laughs> like even the panthers like the way the panthers handled their season i thought the islanders and the panthers were kind of in a similar situation coming into this yeah. year a uh, good young team with a just enough uh, t- talented uh, veterans and good goaltending mm-hmm. and they both should have been a lot better than they were and they both um Failed and yeah. I guess the Panthers had a lot of injuries, but uh, yes. still, at just you know you'd, you'd expect them to uh, to have been better. Yeah. And and so yeah. I think that, that if you look at those two seasons next to each other, you, to knock you, you yeah. have to just call them.
0: Uh, disappointing (laughs) yeah yeah disappointing is probably the best way to put it ironically both both florida teams were just killed by injuries this year uh tampa bay i still don't understand how tampa bay is in the playoffs honestly i haven't looked that deeply uh raw charge is great it's run by our friend uh tanya who who does a great job there and uh you should all read it and i unfortunately i've been so ensconced with islander stuff i haven't really been paying attention but I don't know if it was goaltending or defense or just straight up injuries, but like Nikita Kucherov has had almost an MVP like season, and I get that you're missing Stingley's Tanco's, but I mean Kucherov has had a season like none other. He's been great, and it wasn't enough to get the Lightning over the hump. And then the Panthers, I mean, you, you name a Panther, he's been hurt this year. I think the only guy who's played every game, I, I think, has been, um, what the heck is his name? Barkov? Was he? Has he played every game? I think he was no, hurt he's, too.
1: He was hurt for a while. <laughs>
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah. But like Trocek has been hurt. Hoopedo has been hurt. Uh, Bugstad's been hurt. Yager was out for a while. Uh, Ekbl- Ekblad's hurt now. So, oh, Keith Yandel is probably the only guy who's played every game. Um, but, uh, yeah. So it's been weird. And yeah, this season has definitely been confusing, demoralizing, depressing. Um, and a lot of other adjectives. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, again, I don't want to say they're done because technically, mathematically, they are not, but, you know, even if they make the playoffs, I just, it's just a strange, weird season that I don't know. It's hard to even really get, you know, excited for it because it's just so strange. Although the one guy we can get excited for. And again, as you mentioned, Andrews Lee, Andrew Lee before, uh, we can all get excited for Josh Hosang, who is just oh, yeah. the awesomest. Yeah. We love him. Uh, I have a review here, actually. Uh, we haven't had too many, but I have one here so I can read this out. Um, thank you very much. This is from Stonehand CO stonehand colorado maybe uh he leaves us a five-star review and he oh he left it on uh st patrick's day thank you very much uh it says mike and dan are a joy to listen to they bring insight into the islanders that i really enjoy i'm an old school islander fan and while i don't like the check free game the nhl plays now i still try to watch 30 plus games a year The back and forth of these guys is real fun they have the latest news and rumors about the islanders well thank you very much we, we try to be up to date as much as we can um yeah, I don't know if I'd call the NHL check free now. It's a lot. It's a lot less checking and fighting and such than it used to be. But uh, I don't know. There's some some pretty big hits now. Not not in today's game between the Islanders and Sabres. That's for sure. Both those teams were definitely in uh, sort of late late season mode today, especially. But it uh, wasn't a bad game.
1: Yeah, I, I I tried my best not to watch it, but
0: <laughs> I didn't watch the game against the Flyers. I still haven't. The one where they were down five nothing. Oh, uh, we haven't even talked about that. Yeah, yeah I just that, I yeah. That was great. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that was we totally ignored that one. That was that was another demoralizing. Yeah.
1: You, you, oh. I think that's the one where you just look at the scoreline. You just like, yeah, all right, that, that sums <laughs> up the game nicely.
0: Yeah, that's one of those season in a nutshell games mm-hmm. where like they're down super early. And, you know, they tried valiantly to come back. I mean, they, I mean, it might have been just score effects, but they played way better in the second and third, from what I understand, but just didn't have enough to, to push it to overtime or at least get a point out of it. And again, it's kind of a season in a nutshell. You know, you, you're down so, so, so much so quickly, you do all that work to get back and you just, you just come up a little bit short, so. There you go. Fun times. Okay. <laughs> so uh we will be back hopefully uh in a couple weeks. Uh maybe the season's still going on, I doubt it, but probably be some sort of postseason wrap up. Uh maybe we'll talk about some of the good stuff that's happened. There have been a little bit. Um what uh what do you got going on this week? Anything special?
1: Just uh, you know, baseball's back, so back yeah. back back to the grind of uh <laughs> That and
0: y- uh, y- Yankees already off to a great start. Apparently, it was it seven seven to three loss, seven oh, yeah. four loss today? That no, was great. I
1: think I think <laughs> I think Gary Sanchez and Greg Bird went like a combined over nine. So people were <laughs> uh, were, were, we're calling them big time busts yeah. already. like yeah. they can uh. tell they can tell that the good- they're not going to be good yeah. at major leaguers.
0: Yeah, that first game. There's only 800 more games to go in the season, so <laughs> that now that one game tells you everything you need to know. Uh, but uh, all right, well, tell everybody your Twitter handle again, and they can follow you for this last week. Uh, you know, get the all the updates, and you know, uh, follow along.
1: Yes, it's uh, Big Bigley with
0: two E's. The Lee Bowski with two E's. You can still follow me at Culture of Losing. Uh, thanks to everyone who asked me what I was going to do now that the team was winning about my Twitter handle. Thank you very much. I blame you all for this. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. But uh, anyway, we'll be there. You can read us at Lighthouse Hockey and you can read us on Twitter. And thanks very much for listening. And uh, we will be back with you uh, in a little bit. Where We'll see where they end up. All right. Thank you very much. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.